0: Good morning. It's great to see you here at East of Baptist Church as we begin our service. And uh, as we begin our service today, we do have baptism again. Dakota Bentley will be baptized this morning. So if you would turn your attention to the screen for a quick video.
1: My name is Dakota and I'm nine years old. I'm being baptized today because I believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins.
2: Good morning. Good morning. Well, as you saw in the video, this is Dakota Bentley. I'm very honored to take part in his baptism today. His parents are Lester and Amanda Bentley, and I want to thank them so much for allowing him to attend East Tailsville Baptist Church. And I want to thank the Good News Club, uh, all the work that you do there, ministering to students at Tailsville Elementary School. And Dakota was saved during uh, Good News Club, so thank you very much for that. Thank you for your support. As when you tithe, you give to the Good News Club, and uh, Those of you that volunteer to work there, thank you so much for that. This is the fruit of your labor. So, Dakota, before I baptize you, I want to ask you two questions. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Dakota, because of your profession of faith and Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, (laughs) raised to walk in the midst of life. (laughs) Yeah, he took that deep breath because I told him I was going to hold him under for 30 seconds. But uh, let's pray together. Father. As we come to you in prayer. Lord, I just want to thank you first and foremost for offering salvation to whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. Father, I want to thank you for saving Dakota. Father, I want to thank you for uh, his parents, Lord, who bring him to church and allow him to go to Good News Club. Lord, I want to thank you for the Good News Club and for the many, many volunteers that have come through this church and our community, uh, for the past several years father just being able to minister to students in a public school setting is such a blessing and uh, father we pray that you we as a church that we would do everything with our resources lord to help Dakota to grow and father I know realize in a congregation this size this morning that there may be someone else who's born again but lord they've never followed through with believers baptism and father I just pray that they would do that next step of obedience and pray that you be honored and glorified through the rest of this service in Jesus Christ's name I pray and all of God's people said together
0: well, as we go into our welcome time, just a couple quick announcements I need to make. Um, just a reminder, next Sunday we will be in the Jennings Family Ministry Building, where we have a special guest next week, Dr. Sam Nadler. I believe Jamie will say more about him. Um, just uh, really looking forward to hearing his teaching next Sunday morning and next Sunday evening, but we will be next door next week. And then also last week we announced uh, the beginning of Christmas in TV. We had 27 families um, that needed to be sponsored and supported, and out of the 27 we only have two left, which is amazing. Um, But if you would like to uh, take a family, there's two left. You would see Kelly Eichard. They will be in the elevator lobby after the service, and you can pick those up and find out more about those families and their needs. But right now, we do want to welcome you to East Hillsville Baptist Church. If you're visiting with us, we say this every week, please take a minute before you leave to stop by our guest table located in the vestibule or the lobby back there. Uh, we have a gift bag we would love to give you. We'd also encourage you, if you're visiting, to fill out a guest card so we can know who you are and know how we can serve you better. But right now, we're going to ask everyone to stand, take just a minute to welcome your neighbor and greet them to the service as we prepare our hearts for worship.
2: As we come to this time of the service, it's time we set aside to gather around the altar to pray. And I just want to give you an update on Danny Chapman. Uh, Danny's surgery went great, actually, as good as it could have. Uh, The tumor that they took out is not cancer, so we're very thankful for that. And um, as far as I know, and I didn't talk to Danny yesterday, I'm going to go see him tomorrow, but he's still at Forsyth in a regular room. The plans are to move him to Fry Hospital for rehab, and he'll be there in rehab for about 30 to 60 days, uh, do not go to Forsyth to visit, uh, they're, they're not requesting any visitors, but uh, continue to pray for his recovery. Also, many of you know Marvin and Reba Yarborough. Marvin Yarborough was a student pastor here when I first came here for years. Reba played the piano or keyboard. Uh, Reba passed away this past week, and uh, yes, so re- remember Marvin in your prayers, really need your prayers um, the funeral arrangements, we do not have those We will do a phone tree since he's a former staff person But Marvin is as good a person as you'll ever meet And uh, so lift him up in your prayers, if you will, during this time As a matter of fact, I'd like to call you to the, to the altar now Let's just lift Marvin up and uh, his uh, family in your prayers So as the praise team leads us in this song If you'll meet me here at this altar And let's lift him up in prayer this morning Holy Now, Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, we're just so thankful for the gospel. Father, we're thankful for salvation. Father, we're thankful for the days that you give us. Father, we're thankful that we can lift uh, brothers and sisters in Christ up in prayer. And Father, you know the hurt and the heartache that Marvin Yarborough is going through. Father, I'm so thankful that Reba, many years ago, settled her salvation with you. And Lord, she's with you now. But Lord, can't imagine the hurt and the devastation. That Marvin and Philip and Danielle is going through. But Jesus, I do know that your grace is sufficient. That Lord, through the Holy Spirit, you can bring healing. And Lord, you're our refuge and strength, a very present help in a time of need. And Lord, Marvin has other needs. And Father, I pray that you'd meet them all. Father, we just we just pray that, Lord, you'd meet every need that he has. Father, I pray that during the funeral service, um, her life would be honored, but she'd be glorified. Lord, this family has served you faithfully for years. And, Father, I pray that you would uh, touch their situation now and bring good out of it. Father, you said you work all things together for good. And, Lord, I just believe it and I've seen it. And, Lord, we don't know what it is or when it will be, but, Lord, you will do that. We're so thankful for that. Lord, we also want to give a praise report for Danny. And, Lord, we prayed. We just begged this side of heaven that, Lord, it would go as well as it has and it has. And, Father, we just continue to pray for his um, rehab and recovery, Lord that you would uh, bring healing to his body. Lord, there's so many others, so many names in our bulletin. Lord, we don't take those for granted. Father, you're the answer for everything we're facing today, and we're just so thankful that we can call upon you. Father, we call upon you in faith. We love you, and we trust you today. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of
1: God's people said together, amen. Amen.
2: Thank you. I'd like to ask all our veterans uh, here at East Hills Baptist Church, if you will, to stand at this time. Veterans, active duty. And as they're standing there, just for a second, I just want to say this, and I think, uh, I think you know what I'm about to say is true. The reason that we can worship the way we do in America today is because of our veterans. The reason I feel safe, don't you feel safe, from foreign tyranny is because of our veterans. And I will say this, too, not only do we have the greatest military on the planet, But because of the United States military, the world is safe. There are other countries that have freedom, not because of their military or Britain's. It's because of ours. So let's give them a hand clap. And thank you so much for your service. Thank you so much. I've always said this if you have the opportunity to do something good for a veteran, please do that. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 17 through 19. As we talk about this morning, the generosity of God. So, as you stand, we've been going through a series and we've been asking this question Who is God? What do I know about God? What do I believe about God? Because what you know and believe about God will determine everything in your life, especially when trials hit, especially when hard times hit. What you know and believe about God will determine whether or not you trust Him enough to call on Him. Or are you going to believe His promises? Do you believe that God is sovereign even through the trials and that God can bring good out of every situation? Today, we're going to think about this thought. Is God generous? Is God generous to His creation? Is, is God generous to unbelievers? Is God generous to me as His child? And then if He is, should I not be generous as well? So notice what Paul says to Timothy. Command those who are rich. And now let me say this. Every person in here today, in Paul's day, in in about 85% of the other world, you're, you're rich. Okay. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives richly all things to enjoy. Paul says to Timothy, God gives you, whether you're rich or not, or whether you think you're rich or not, He gives you richly all things to enjoy. That's the generosity of God. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the life to, what's the word? Come. Your kingdom's not on this planet right now. Jesus said to lay up treasures in heaven. Okay, It's okay to have stuff here, but don't let your stuff have you. God has a kingdom, and he has a plan, he has a purpose for it, and it involves you and your stuff. He says, for that time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. What tremendous words. I wish I could just exposit these three verses today, but that's not my, what, the way God led me. But let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, that you are generous. Lord, it is so easy being in America, Lord, in the evangelical church in America, especially the way, how you've blessed Southern Baptists, to just take your generosity for granted. Father, I pray that we would not do that. Father, you've been so generous to us as a church, to us as individuals. Lord, it's easy to overlook the little things. Lord, the Psalms basically say, do not forget all the Lord's benefits. Your generosity in our life, Lord, you've been so good. We should be the most grateful, generous people on the planet without a doubt. Lord, if you've been generous to me, I should be generous to your church. If you've been generous to me, I should be generous to this world. Father, help us to develop an attitude of generosity. And Father, help us not to be greedy people, not to rely too much on our stuff or to trust in uncertain riches. Most of us are one stock market crash away from losing a whole bunch of our stuff. But Lord, we can never lose what we pay ahead, where we laid up our treasures. And Lord, I pray that we'd focus on your kingdom. That's the only thing that will last for eternity. And Father, we just want to tell you that we love you today and our time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. The first thing I want you to see is this. God is generous to all His creation. I, listen, I like what one Christian scientist said. He said this. He says, God's abundant generosity permeates the entire created order. We know that the whole creation declares the glory of God according to Psalm 19. David says this. All God's creation is giving Him glory. You don't see it and you don't understand it. Remember what Jesus told the Pharisees, if they don't cry out the rocks will? Because the whole creation somehow understands that God is a generous God and that He is God. But it also demonstrates His generosity, our perfect Creator, perfectly crafted a world which sustains our human lives. And He goes on to say this, He made 750,000 species of insects. I don't know why we have stink bugs, but we do. All right, 400,000 species of flowers, 200,000 species of edible plants... 10,000 species of birds and stars to numerous account. And James, the Lord's brother, says, Every good thing a person, Christian or non-Christian, enjoys in life is a gift from God. He created our universe with perfect elegance and complexity. God modeled perfect generosity in the beginning. When he created this world and told Adam and Eve, it's yours, enjoy it. Work was not a burden to Adam in the beginning. When God's kingdom comes and you work, it's not going to be a burden. There was no burdens there. Everything they needed was there because of God's generosity. God's generosity even extends to the animal planet. Jesus said this in Matthew six. He said, "Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. That your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more more valuable than they?" What Jesus is saying is this: Have you seen a bird ever plant a garden? I hadn't of have you. They just come steal your stuff, don't they? God just supplies all their needs. When God was talking to Job, and Job was questioning the things in his life. You know, Job had a hard life. God never told him why. God may never tell you why. That's why at a funeral, I'll say this, and I I say this as humbly as I can. It's easier to preach than to live. Don't let the why question control your life. Because you're probably not going to get an answer. I don't know why things happen. Job asked that, and God said this. Where were you when I created the earth, Job? Where were you when I hung the... Moon and stars, and then he says this. He's talking about how I provided for the animals. Who provides food for the raven, Job? Are you are you feeding them every day? He says, when its young ones cry out to God and wonder about lack of food, what he's saying is this: I'm generous to the animals. Psalm one thirty six twenty five says this. Look on the screen. He gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. That's why the psalmist in Psalm one forty eight could confidently say this. Listen, he says this. Angels praise him. Sun, moon, and stars praise him. For he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away, which means it's going to be here forever. All right? He says, fruitful trees and all cedars, praise him. (laughs) Think about that for a minute. Beast and cattle, praise him. Creeping things, flying fowl, kings of the earth, all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above. Earth and heaven. Why? Because He is so generous to all. Psalm 145 9 says, The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. And then in 15 and 16 it says, The Lord upholds all who fall and rises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you. You give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. God is a giver. Generosity is a characteristic of our generous Father. So God is generous. To his creation. He's also generous to unbelievers. Think about that for a minute. Does anybody know an unbeliever doing better than you? I know a bunch. <laughs> all right. That are doing better than me. God extends to all people what is called common grace or common generosity. His general goodness and generosity which is not redemptive. But is just his blessings on this planet. Okay. Jesus said this in Matthew 5.45. He makes the sun the rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. Okay, God blesses the just and the unjust. Rain is a sign of blessing. He's going to provide for their crops just like he does yours, even though they don't acknowledge it. One scholar says this, Unbelievers are allowed to marry, have children, work, advance in their careers. Unbelievers are able to enjoy the beauty of God's creations. Unbelievers can experience so much of God's goodness that it can sometimes appear like he's being better to them than his own children. That's what Psalm 73 is all about. Notice on the screen, I'm going to read most of it, but part of it will be on the screen. The psalmist is complaining. He's saying, I'm serving you and you're blessing them. They're wicked. Notice what he says. Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping. I was almost gone, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These men, or this translation says, these fat cats, have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens. Their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. And they say this, what does God know? Does the most high even know what's happening? look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease their riches multiply. So God is generous to the creation. God is generous to unbelievers. And God is more generous, in my opinion, to his children. Aren't you thankful? Think about these areas where God is generous to you as his child. The first one, and most important, of course, is salvation. For God so loved the world that he, what's the word? Gave. God is a giver. That is generous. The cross of Calvary is the ultimate display of generosity. God gave his son One scholar whom I greatly respect said this. Here is the ultimate measure of God's generosity. He gave his own son for us. His one and only son. I can't imagine giving my son. I'd rather die myself. Isn't that how you feel about your kids? Parents love their children with a love that is fiercely protective. So we can understand dying to save a child. But giving your son to save others, that is an act of sacrificial love beyond comprehension. I can't imagine it. So I can only stand in awe that God would love me enough to give that generously. If you are saved today, you're God's child. Is that not amazing? To those who believe, he has given the right to be called the children of God. God is your father. What a blessing that is. Salvation, such a generous gift. And, and don't just think that God made Jesus go. Jesus gladly gave his life. Ephesians 5.2 says, And live a life of love, just as Christ loved us. And gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice of God. Jesus gave himself for me and you. A staggering thought of generosity is that Jesus gave himself. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Paul said to the church at Ephesus, You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God is generous to you as his child in salvation. Not only that, God forgives. He's generous in forgiveness. Aren't you thankful? If God counted iniquities, the Bible says, who could stand? Anybody? I couldn't. Could you stand? Aren't you thankful for forgiveness? When Moses asked to see God, and he received this divining revelation of God in Exodus 34. He says this, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, Abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. What a wonderful word to Moses. Let me read that again. The Lord. What is your view of God? This is mine. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Wickedness, rebellion and and sin tonight in Psalm 32 we're going to talk about David coming clean. He mentions four sins that he he had to confess to God, and you know what God did? God forgave him. You know some of the characteristics of God's forgiveness. Listen to this. This is why it's so generous. God forgives all sin. Isn't that a blessing? Now somebody may ask you for forgiveness, and you may forgive most of it, but sometimes we keep a little part to us. You remember Froggy on the Little Rascals? And they asked him if he forgave Alfalfa, and he says, I forgive you. Had his hands behind his back. That's how some of us are, aren't we? You know God's not that way. Listen to what Paul said to Titus, who, talking about Jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. God forgives all sin. Aren't you thankful? That's a generous God. And the second characteristic is this. God forgives now. He doesn't think about it. He knows your heart. It's instantaneous and it's eternal. He wipes your slate clean forever in a moment. I use this illustration, the Etch-A-Sketch. I remember those Etch-A-Sketches, the hardest things ever to draw anything with. I remember making a mess with it one time when I was at Wittenberg doing a devotion. And I was talking about forgiveness. And I said, look at this mess I made. I said, this was my life before Jesus. And I said, on October 30th, 1990, I prayed to receive Christ and then I shook it. And I said, I was made that clean that quick. For eternity. Etch a sketch. The only thing it's good for is one sermon illustration and throw it in the trash. Okay? That's all it's good for. But isn't it amazing that God, God forgives all your sin and he forgives it like right now. Amazing to me. And it's eternal. Okay? Not only that, not only does God forgive your sins, now he forgives all those who ask. God sent Jonah to Nineveh in January. We're going to go through the book of Jonah. God sent him to Nineveh and he didn't want to go and he says, If they repent, I'll forgive. Wicked Nineveh, there's nobody in here more wicked than Nineveh, nobody. And I'll show you historical facts that prove my point. Listen to me, God forgives those who ask if you're his child. And then the fourth thing, and I love this just as much, God never brings it back up. He must not have ever been to Alexander County. I mean, God don't bring it back up. Do you bring things back up? God doesn't. As far as the east is from the west, we talked about this last week. Yeah, aren't you thankful for that? God is generous. God is generous. Think about this. If you have good health right now, or even decent health, you're not in a hospital. Has God not been generous to you? I'm in hospitals almost every day. And every time I leave, I just say, Thank you, Lord. At least today, today, I have good health. I heard Matt Chandler say this, whom I greatly respect who had a brain tumor about five, six years ago on Thanksgiving, uh, preached after surgery, and now he's doing good. He says, do you really think you have a lot of control of your health? Now, Matt's one of these fitness guys, too. A little skinny dude, but he's a fitness guy. And he says this, do you think you have a lot of control of your health? And he's saying this to his congregation not too long ago. He says, back when I got sick with cancer, a woman in our area was diagnosed with the same cancer I had three months after me and had done nothing. This is all she did run boot camps all over Dallas, she never ate anything that wasn't organic, she died a year ago, and he says this to his congregation, we have far less control over our health than we think we do, you can be in the best shape of your life and go to the doctor tomorrow and have a terminal illness, why, I don't know, you didn't do nothing wrong, you're just living, okay, take a deep breath, how much did God charge you for that? You know, today you're going to take about 28,000 such breaths within the next 24 hours. Isn't that amazing? And God's just blessing you. Your breath, or your health, your salvation, your forgiveness. Now, what about this? This is the one I, I cling to really closely now is this. What about time? Your time. The psalmist said this. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What is more precious than your time? Two years ago when I was in Greensboro with this Invitation Only Pastors Conference, the pastor whom I have a lot of respect for, who is leading our little conference, uh, pastors in Georgia, his praise team is the Casting Crowns every Sunday. All right, And he said this, he says, I want to tell you something about Georgia now. People will give you, church members will give you their money way before they'll give you their time. Their time is a lot more important. They'd rather send a check. Then go somewhere. They'd they'd rather do this, that, or the other. He says it's so much because time is so important. You know who was generous with their time? Think about Jesus. I, I was reading this this week, and I thought, this is just amazing. When Jesus met the woman at the well, think about this. In John 4, verses 6 through 40, the first and last verse there says this. Now, he had to go through Samaria time. Jesus gave up his time to go to Samaria And then he spoke to the woman at the well. She ended up coming to Christ. And then it says this in verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Jesus. Now, from the beginning of the Gospels to the time he died, they say about three years, right? Two of those days, which he didn't have to give, he gave to the Samaritans. Jesus gave his time. I wonder if they appreciated that. That God himself stayed with them for two days. Are you thankful for your time? Are you thankful for your time? Notice what the, the richest man and one of the wisest men that's ever lived. He's by far the richest man to ever live. Notice what he said in Ecclesiastes. He said, enjoy life. Stop right there. I would encourage you to just take take advantage of those two words right there. All right? Enjoy life. And then he says this with your wife if you're married. Let me tell you how important this is. Now notice, he says, whom you love all the days of this meaningless." life all right he got a kind of a bad view there then he drank a lot all right but anyway he says enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life what he's saying is this if you're married why don't you just have fun right i mean who wants who i said this and i'll say it again you don't want drama when you come to church do you i don't want drama when i go home i don't all right enjoy life with your wife you got time that god has given you now when uh, I've shared this before, but I gotta share it again because some of you wasn't here. When I went to see Harold Pennell at Valley Nursing Home, he was here and his wife was here. They had to feed Helen, right? Harold used to sit right here where Polly is, where he right there, every Sunday for years. Then they got sick and they and they couldn't come to church. And I remember I went to see him at Valley and Helen was just there feeding her. She'd just smile. All right, and I walked in, he says, Come here, boy. That's why I had that's, that's how Harold talked to me. Come here, sit down. I'll, I'll teach you a lesson today. I said, all right, teach me a lesson. He says, you see my wife? He says, we had big plans to do all these things. Travel. Do and He said we did some. But he said, we had big plans to do all these things that we'll never do. And he says, now i watch my wife, and I love my wife, but we'll never do some of the things that we'd planned to do. And he says, I want to tell you something. You pastor a pretty large church. Do not give all your time away before it's too late. Enjoy your life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meal. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in this day. God has been generous with you by giving you time. Don't complain it away. Don't worry it away. Don't fret it away. Just enjoy your life. And give and give mo- many of those days to Jesus. The final thing is this, All right, If God has been generous with you, then you should be generous. You should be a generous person. If God the Father is generous, one scholar says our generosity flows from God's generosity. Our generosity then is a response to God's abundant generosity towards us. When we are generous, our lives reflect the heart of God. Think about what Jesus said about money. Whether we have lots or little, money is an important to all of us. Jesus spoke a lot about money. 16 of Jesus' 38 parables talk about money and how to handle possessions. In the Gospels, one out of every 10 verses deal with money or possessions. The entire Bible has about 500 or so verses on prayer, less than 500 on faith, and over 2,000 on money. We try to divorce finances from faith, but Jesus didn't. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. This was a command to the Jews. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. You know what the Jews had to do? If they had crops, they brought the first fruits to the storehouse because that's where God's work was done. Okay? They had to bring the best. If they had animals, they had to bring the best they had. Not the worst. Because what they were saying is this. The only reason I have what I have is because God gave it to me. And God said, in order for, for you to prove that, because God didn't need it. He says, you bring it. In Malachi, Malachi says this. You're dishonoring me in what you're giving. You're bringing your blind goat to me. Give that to your governor. Don't bring me your junk. Bring the best to me if you trust me. Do that. And then he goes on to say this in Malachi. He says this about tithing. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, he says. Thereby put me to the test. God says, you try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. Think about this when we think about tithing, which means a tenth. Listen to what some famous people said about tithing. John D. Rockefeller, very rich man. Now listen to what he says. He said, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 per week. If you can't tithe that, you're not going to tithe a million either. You know, when I first got saved, I was going to CVCC, and I was making $50 a week, and I gave the Millersville Baptist Church $5.00. All right. If I couldn't give that, how could I give what I give now? There's just no way. Everybody loves Raymond. Patricia Heaton, y'all know her? She averaged around $6 million a year or more. She said this about tithing. She says, an issue I'm dealing with lately is, do I have too much money? And am I being a good steward of it? In fact, I was talking to a friend about tithing, just giving our 10% as opposed to giving until it actually starts costing us something. Which is what I think tithing is all about. You know, I wonder if she needs a church home. Y'all know her, tell her, tell her I'll, I'll come meet with her, I'll fly out there. But think about this, think about tithing in America, where God has blessed us so much. you think we'd be the most generous people on the planet when it comes to tithing, which is just normal. It's a normal thing for me to do, like being baptized, okay? Never had a problem tithing. According to a recent study, only 10 to 25% of church members tithe. Only 5% of the United States population tithes. On average, Christians give 2.53% of their income, which is down 3.3%, which was given during the Great Depression. Americans spend between 3 and 4% on dog food. Man, Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all the things that we have. The problem in Christianity is that we have many people who are embezzling the Lord's money. Malachi said this. The Lord said through Malachi, Will a man rob God? Sure he will. He'll rob God and then pray. Tony Evans said this to his church in Dallas, African-American pastor. He says, let me bring up the concept of robbing God in today. In today, he says, some Christians are wearing clothes, driving cars, and going on vacation with God's tithes and offerings. Some of us are living in homes we can't afford by robbing from God's portion to pay the note each month, but God says we're stealing from Him. God told the Israelites, try me in this, test me in this. When you think about that, the word test in the Bible, there are symbols. Ten is a, is a symbol of testing. Ten plagues, ten commandments, ten virgins were tested with oil. In Revelation 2.10, he said to the church at Smyrna that they would be tested. Tithing is a test. God says, try me this. Try me. Give and see if I don't bless. That's what he says. Try me or don't and see what happens. That's up to you. Ecclesiastes, once again, the richest man to ever live said this. Give generously for your gifts will return to you later, and all of God's people said, "They just will." Generous giving. I tell you what, if I and I'm not going out to eat today, all right. But if I did, I'm going to t- I'm going to tip. I'm going to tip. I'm not giving a dollar and fifty cent tip. I'm just not going to do it because my girls were waiter or waitresses before. They worked at the window. Jamie still is going to tip, all right. And I'll tell them. Tell on some people before I've been in Scotty's before eating and somebody tried to put their tip on mine I said get your little change back over there because I'm giving this and I don't want them to think you gave that alright because be generous and giving have you ever been in a line at wherever at a fast food and just paid for the person's meal behind you why don't you just do it just do it done it many times didn't, didn't lose, a, didn't lose a, a wink of sleep and it didn't bother me that week either okay if you go to McDonald's only like five bucks anyway but you don't know how you might bless somebody's life. Be generous. Jesus said this. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and they will pour into your lap. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Jesus said, what you give, I'm going to bless you back with it. Press down, shaken over. I took home ec. All right, not grade, So I understand how to get, get it right there. Press down. Jesus says, I'm going to bless it and pack it in is what I'll do. God says, try me this. Give me, put me to the test. Dave Ramsey said this, If all Christians tithed, there would be no more welfare in North America. In 90 days, there would be no more existing church or hospital debt. In the next 90 days, the entire world could be evangelized. There would be prayer in schools because Christians would buy all the schools. But we give about 2.5%. Jesus said, Where your heart is, that is where your treasure will be. Also, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Notice this on the screen. Paul told Timothy, we brought nothing into this world and we'll take nothing out. My house will be somebody else's. Alright, my vehicle's going to be somebody else's. Everything I own, I'm leaving to somebody else. See, a lot of us think we're King Tut. You remember him? I remember him? 17 years old, died. They put in there gold coffins, gold everything. Said, Tut, when you die, you're going to take these to the afterlife. You know that they, they went into his tomb and guess what he took with him? Nothing. You know what you're going to take with you nothing i know y'all have heard this before but some of you hadn't heard about a husband and wife and they didn't like each other they didn't like each other at all and he died she was thankful i think and he says when i die i put all my money in the casket that's my last will and testament well he had a closed casket her friends were there saying did you put the money in there she said yes i did i had to and she said you're not sad about it she said i wrote him a check so think about you got to be smart. you got to be smart. OK? He couldn't spin it anyway. Now think about this. Think about this as we close. When you think about generosity, Jesus gave his face to the betrayer, Judas, cheeks to the strikers, his back to the scourgers, his brow to the thorns, his beard to the pluckers, his shoulders to the cross, his hands and feet to the nails, his forgiveness to the ignorant, his salvation to the thief, his mother to his disciples his spirit to his father, his side to the spear, his body to his friends, Joseph of Marathaea and Nicodemus, and he offers salvation to you. In trusting your eternal destiny to him, of all the good works that we'll try to do for God, not one of them can pay for one sin. Did you know that? Not one of them. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished, which means it's paid in full. Your debts have been paid if you trust in Christ. The greatest offer of generosity that I can offer you today is salvation. That whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You cannot do enough good works to be born again. You cannot. You cannot you cannot live a good enough life to be born again. The cross says so. Your only hope is Jesus. And Christians, I would tell you this, if you're here today as we talked about a couple weeks ago, if you need to be cleansed even though you're forgiven, Do like David did in Psalm 32 and just call upon the name of the Lord and say, wash me with his, just clean me up. Aren't you thankful that he'll do that? I want you to stand with me, every head bowed and every eye closed. We're not going to give a long invitation this morning. And if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, you can come forward. You can pray in your own words there in your pew and just place your faith and trust in Christ. And then if you're here and you're a Christian, why don't you just take a few moments as our musicians play here in just a moment. Why don't you just thank God for your health, For your time, for forgiveness, for your family, for salvation, just thank the Lord for that. Thank Him. He's been so generous to you. Thank Him. And then I'll pose this question to you as we pray, and I'm not going to make it long. I ask you this question, are you generous to God's house? Are you generous to God's people? Are you a generous person? Father, as we come to you in prayer, we just want to thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we want to thank you for how generous you have been in our lives. And, Father, I just want to tell you that I love you today. If The most important thing is salvation, Lord. If there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, Lord, only you can save. Lord, only you can open blinded eyes. Father, I pray that you be, draw people to yourself for your honor and for your glory. And, Lord, I pray that they'd be born again. And then, Father, I pray for our church. Lord, we have such a generous church. Lord, the stats I shared, they don't apply to East Talesville. And I'm so thankful for that. And, Father, I pray that you'd bless the gift and the giver every Sunday. Lord, bless those who are generous to people in our community. So many are. And so many many in our church. Lord, if there was a need here at East Talesville, it would be met. If it was a genuine need, I just want to thank you for the men and women in this church who give. And, Father, we just want to tell you that we love you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sharon leads us in this song. You respond as the Lord leads you.
1: Come every soul.
2: couple things before we dismiss, just want to remind you we're on a regular schedule tonight, of course. Also, I think Kevin mentioned this next week, Sam Nadler will be here. We'll be in the Jennings Family Ministry Building that morning. He's going to talk about the Feast of Tabernacle. He's a Messianic Jew. Sam Nadler can preach. The last time he was here, it's one of the best messages I've heard in a long time, and I don't give those compliments out a whole lot. Great preacher that night is going to be great. He's going to talk about Israel and prophecy. When you tithe, you support Sam Nadler's uh, ministry in which they plant churches in israel they also plant churches in jewish communities trying to help the jews understand that jesus christ is the messiah that's next sunday morning so when you see a guest speaker don't leave when you see a guest speaker we've had some good guest speakers and some of y'all have missed that so please be here to support sam and his wife also i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the pastor appreciation gifts you talk about generosity i'm so blessed i'm the world's worst at mailing cards and doing all that kind of stuff I just, I, just, I just am. But what I try to do in my life is I try to write down every person. If you've ever done anything for me, all right? If you own a business and you've blessed my life, I pray to God to bless your business. I just do. I pray to God to bless your marriage, your health, your business. I just do that. If somebody gives me five bucks, I'm going to tell you what I do. I pray for that person in every area of their life, and I pray for God to bless them. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for the cards, for all the gifts. I know the staff would say the same thing. But you're so generous and I want to thank you so much for that and it's a blessing to my life and my families. Don't take that for granted. But uh, love you all very much. God bless you. hope to see you back here Sunday night tonight and you're dismissed. Thank you very much.